what repentance is. Repentance is asking for forgiveness and then uh, making an about face heading from the sin or from the situation back toward uh, Jesus Christ. And so that is that is a great definition of repentance. Second Timothy chapter two, Second Timothy chapter two. We're going to read verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Second Timothy chapter two, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Today's lesson is simply about our daily surrender to God, our daily surrender to Him, and uh, and so we'll talk more about that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26 says, In humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Sin is something that we struggle with every day day. Why? Because we are of a sinful nature. And we will do so. We will have this struggle until we uh, are home with the Lord in heaven. And the reason this is, the Bible says that all have sin and come short of the glory of God. It is, it is in our nature to do what pleases self over what pleases God. And doing what pleases self over what pleases God. To, to know to do right and not do it to that person, it is sin. So it is in our nature to sin. And none of us are untouched by the damage of sin. Some of us are still living with consequences of our actions, of sin in our life. And uh, uh, there are times where God delivers us from the sin and from the consequences uh, by grace and mercy. But there are times where the damage of sin has left a, a forever lasting mark on our souls, our spirits, our hearts, even in our lives. And so uh, sin is something that we as human beings struggle with. The psalmist David spoke of the origin of sin when he wrote in Psalm 51, verse number 5. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, origin of sin is simply the fact that we are born uh, into a, a godless culture, so to speak. We talked about different cultures last week. We're born uh, into a godless nature. And because the nature of mankind uh, gravitates towards sin. And so because of sin, we hurt ourselves. Because of sin, we, we hurt other people. Um, because of sin, we've been hurt by others. Um, each of us, each of us, uh, when we come before the Lord, we, we, we come to Jesus for the first time even, uh, needs repentance in our life and, and the recovery that God's forgiveness gives in order for us to live the way God intended. Now, if repentance is necessary to come to the Lord the first time, uh, when we repent and we, we're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, and we're filled with the Spirit, uh, then it is, again, still necessary to have repentance in our life. Uh, Jesus said... 
In John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse number 10, he said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And that is a promise that the Lord has given to us. However, we can't truly experience abundant life if we have unrepented sin in our life. Uh, for the wages of sin, the price of sin is death, not life. And, and so if we're going to experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ wants to give, then we must be sure that we daily surrender ourselves to him and we do that through the act of repentance. Um, we we are, and, and some of us can probably attest to this, that we may even be struggling right now, that we are in daily and constant conflict within. The, the spirit wars against the flesh um, and only a complete surrender to him. Well, that requires repentance. Repentance is a physical action. We're changing something about ourselves intentionally. And so that complete surrender to God is what's going to give us the relief from the conflict. And what is the conflict? It's the conflict of spirit and flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Somebody look that up and read it for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in... Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Our first experience with repentance came at the altar of salvation when we obeyed the command of the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, when he told the people that they need to repent of their sins. They need to repent. And at the moment of our baptism of water and of spirit, we are made new in Christ Jesus. And at that very moment, the sinful old man is gone. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, unfortunately... We don't believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I believe that people can backslide. I believe that people can lose their salvation. Um, and the reason for this is we still live in this body of weak flesh. And our spirit wants to do right. Our spirit wants to do that which is right in the sight of God. It wants to obey commandments. It wants to do what God has called us to do. And it wants us to become holy like God is holy. But our flesh is weak. And there are times in our weakness, we give in. We give in to sin. And Paul wrote about this conflict in a letter to the Roman church. And evidently he must have been dealing with some people who were struggling Basically, he's dealing with human beings. 
And, and they were probably becoming frustrated with their walk with God. They were starting to ask him questions like, well, if we receive the Spirit in us, then why, uh, why are we making mistakes? Why are we stumbling? Why are we failing? You know, he, they were, he was probably getting ready to address uh, such questions. We've all had these questions. Uh, there, I mean, I've been living for God. Uh, I've had the Holy Ghost since I was 11. Um, but I've really been living for God since I was 16, 17 years old when I really made this experience very personal to me. And, and I would love to say that in those 30 years of really living for God, that I, I you know, everything has been perfect and I've never made mistakes. I've never failed and never sinned. But, you know, that, I, that's just not true. That is it's just not a true statement at all. I am flesh, your flesh. And, and so... We struggle. Why? Because there is a conflict. There is a constant warring of the flesh, what the flesh wants and desires, against what the spirit wants and desires. And so Paul addressed this to a letter uh, to the Roman church in Romans chapter 17, verses 13 through 25. Now, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Um, It doesn't change the meaning at all. It's just giving us a, a, a clarification And so he's addressing this. He says, but how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law for the spiritual good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human. A slave to sin. This is Paul writing. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. There's conviction. There's an understanding. So I am not the one doing the wrong. It is my nature, my sinful nature. That it is, wait, I'm sorry. I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really, really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. He's, he's talking about the flesh. He's talking about the nature of flesh. The struggle. And, and, and I don't believe that any of us in here desire to sin. That we want to fail God. That we want to make him unhappy with us. That we want to create a division between us and him in that relationship. I, I just don't believe that we want to do this. But we find ourselves in this situation sometimes. Well, we know what is right, and we don't do it. We know what is wrong, and we do it. And we don't know why. Well, it's that sinful nature. Sometimes we're, we're just not spiritually attuned or strong enough to resist what our flesh is crying out to do. And then he goes on to say, but there, he goes on to say that I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. You know what he said in the King James Version? He said, oh, what a wretch I am. 
who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. There is that constant, consistent conflict that we have between flesh and spirit. And it's Jesus Christ, the grace and the mercy that we receive from him through salvation that really solves the problem of sin, separating us from that relationship with God. But let me tell you something. It doesn't take away all the problems. It doesn't take away the pressures, nor does it relieve us of the temptations in our lives. What the Spirit does, it gives us the strength to overcome it. It gives us the strength to resist it. And so only walking through the door of repentance and pursuing forgiveness will we find victory and recovery. This is a fleshly surrender to Jesus Christ. Repentance is our fleshly surrender to him. So let me ask you this question. I've given you the answer, but I'm just going to see if you're listening. If we gain victory over sin through repentance, then why do some people continue to sin? Flesh. 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 The easy way out. Sometimes it's the easy way out. I have noticed, this is not my notes, but I do want to share something with you in my experience in my many years of living for God, I have found that I struggle with my flesh or I struggle with sin when my flesh literally is weak. If I am physically exhausted, if I am emotionally exhausted, if I am spiritually spent, it is in that moment that I struggle with my flesh. Um, That's why rest is so important. And um, it's very important to understand your body will have a direct effect on your mind. People say, well, you know, mind and body are separate. They're not. Uh, Depression causes physical ailments. Physical ailments can cause depression. There is a link. And when we are weak in mind because of exhaustion, sickness, or uh, mental anguish or emotional stress... We're going to find ourselves apt to do something that we don't want to do. Why? Because we're just weak. We don't have the strength. And so if we gain victory over sin through repentance, why do some people continue to sin? The answer is absolutely correct, what you said. It is the flesh. However, what we must always remember is that even though the flesh gives in and we make a mistake... The same victory we received at the beginning of our salvation, at the beginning of our walk with God, uh, the same principle applies as we daily walk with him. When we struggle, when we fail, when we fall, how are we going to regain victory? How are we going to overcome? Through repentance. It is that surrender to him. Now, sometimes though, sometimes, if we gain victory over sin through repentance... And some people continue to sin, especially the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, Sometimes it's because there may be 
a misunderstanding of grace that is found through Christ's forgiveness. A misunderstanding of grace. Romans 6 verses 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? One translation says, Is grace an excuse for sin? God forbid it. Some people misunderstand grace. Now, grace saves us. His mercy keeps us. I I believe that. Uh, None of us have earned the right of salvation. But let me tell you something. You can't take advantage of his grace and say, well, I can go ahead and live the way I want, talk the way I want, act the way I want, have a sour spirit, um, be ugly to people, and it's okay because grace covers me. That, that, that is a huge misunderstanding of what his forgiveness is about and the grace that comes through that. And so though we have entered into salvation by grace through faith, which is our actions, our obedience, we must never forget that grace never encourages us to sin. Grace never leads us to fulfilling further ungodliness and worldly desires. Matter of fact, it's his grace that leads us away from those things. So we can't use grace as an excuse for our behaviors. Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verse number 12, Titus 2, 12. Somebody wants to read that. Titus 2, verse number 12. I have it. All right. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God. Right. That's that's exactly what grace is leading us to. There's a scripture in the Bible, and I can't remember off the top of my head. I was going to write it down, and I forgot. But that literally says that grace teaches. Grace is the teacher. What teacher? The teacher that brings us to the knowledge of of this right here. Teaching us that denying on the godliness and denying the worldly lust uh, to live righteously, to live godly in where we're at. In other words, grace doesn't indulge the flesh or cherish iniquity. Grace does not justify sin, but moves us to turn from sin toward God, which is true repentance. Now let's talk about the word repentance. Now, now I, we gave a definition earlier, and I'm, I'm just going to probably rehash what I said Uh, But the Greek word for repentance found in the scriptures that we've been reading in the New Testament is metanoia. It means a complete change of mind, a complete turnaround, a complete change of mind and a complete turnaround. Kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. that we present ourselves living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, and that we be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. This renewing of our mind is that change of mind from worldly, carnal thinking uh, to godly, righteous living. We can't use grace 
to negotiate with sin. Now, I'm thankful for grace because in my sinful nature, I know I'm bound to make a mistake. And grace is going to help me with it. But I can't say, well, I'm not going to guard my heart and I'm not going to guard my mind and I'm just going to do what I want and I'm going to do what feels good and I'm just going to live by my ways knowing that His grace covers me. Uh, that is just a, a gross misunderstanding of God's grace. We pursue holiness. We, we clothe ourselves in His righteousness. We, we strive for the perfection that He's calling us to become. Now, we'll never, none of us are going to be perfect until we get to the other side. But we strive for that. We strive to be as much like Jesus Christ as we can. And, on the, and along the way, uh, we're like Peter and Paul and the rest of them. We bumble and make mistakes and fall. Uh, we just got to remember to pick ourselves back up and keep going. And, and so it's important that we obey Paul's command to Timothy. When he said in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22... He says, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22 So whether it is our salvation, repentance when we first come to Him, or daily sanctification. Now on Wednesday nights we've been talking about uh, the tabernacle and where the sanctification took place. Uh, with the blood offering and the cleaning, uh, the washing at the labor of water, uh, the repentance at the at the brazen altar, and um, the the washing, the cleansing of the word, and, and so this really is is what's taking place in our daily surrender to God is that we're finding ourselves at the brazen altar, sacrificing us on the altar, saying, "I crucified this flesh." I die today to self. And then I find my way, my cleansing in the word of God. It, this is this daily surrender. This happens every day. I begin every day at an altar of repentance. I end the day at an altar of repentance. Why? Because it's so important that I remain surrendered to him. Remain surrendered to him. And so... Uh, whether it is our salvation or our daily sanctification, it still requires grace that is received through a repentant life and repentant heart. Now, there's a danger. There's a danger when we don't submit to God. There's a danger when we refuse to surrender to Him and to, to walk after the flesh and not after the Spirit. There, there are consequences of sin, of unrepentant sin. And so unrepentant sin, let me tell you this right now, unrepentant sin is not covered by grace. Repentance activates the grace of God. By grace through faith, faith in what? The word. How do we show faith in the word? Through obedience. What has he asked us to do? To repent, to turn from our wicked ways and to walk toward him. And so the reason why I believe that, don't believe that once saved, always saved, is there is a such thing as sin that has been committed that's been unrepented of. Now, are we always going to remember every bad thing we've ever done in a course of a day? Uh, sometimes we, we might not even realize 
that we had a bad spirit or that we might have told a little white lie or, or weren't truthful. or we Sometimes we just don't realize what's going on in our flesh. And, and so when, when we are ending our day, it's like, you know, one of the ways I pray is that, Lord, if there's anything, anything that I have done that, that, that I, just, I just don't know that I did wrong, to offend somebody, that I sinned against you, um, then I want... I, Bring it to my mind, bring it to my heart. But if not, Lord, just forgive me of it. Forgive me, cleanse me from what I mean. I always try to say, God, is, is there something I said, something I did, or the way I behaved that that would be offensive to people and offensive to you? Um, I don't want any unrepented sin in my life because there are consequences of unrepentant sin. So when a sin is ignored in our lives. The first thing that happens is we become insensitive to the Holy Spirit's convicting power in our lives. And the reason I say that is because we become used to sinning. And the more we sin and the more we're around it without allowing the Spirit to convict us, we can quench that Spirit and what that Spirit is trying to do in our life. And then it happens that we become insensitive to the convictions. We become used to it. It's kind of like that, that uh, science experiment um, of the frog in the water. You know, if you have a pot of boiling water and you throw a frog into it, it's going to jump right out. It's not going to stay in there very long. But if you put the frog in cool water and let it sit there and you bring it slowly to a boil, it will boil to death as it has grown used to the environment. Unrepentant sin is the same way. We become used to the environment of sin. And so we need to be sure that we don't suffer from the consequences. One of the consequences, there's a list here. Sin, sin brings sorrow. Sin brings sorrow to the spirit. Sin brings sorrow to the spirit. Ephesians 4.30 and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So sin sorrows the Holy Spirit. Sin causes our prayers to be unanswered. Not the prayer of repentance, but prayer for needs and things like that. I, and here's, here's the scriptural reference. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities, sin, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, we just got to remember, God is gracious and merciful. And I have seen the prayers of the unrepentant. I've seen the prayers of the sinners answered. Okay? But this is a danger of unrepentant sin in our life because sin separates us from a holy God. And so that one of the dangers is that prayers may go unanswered. Sin causes our praise to be unacceptable. Psalm 33, verse 1, in the Amplified Version says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you, uncomprom uncompromisingly righteous, you upright in right standing with God, for praise is becoming inappropriate for those who are upright in heart or otherwise, those who are righteous. Um, so sin causes our praise to be unacceptable because our praise comes out of a righteous heart, an upright heart before God. 
Sin withholds God's blessings from us. Jeremiah 5.25 Your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins are withholding good things from you. Sin causes us to lose our joy. Psalm 51 verses 9 and verse 12 says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Then restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Sin hinders our spiritual growth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. And it says, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for ye are yet carnal or sinful in nature. And then sin causes God to be dishonored. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And so sin dishonors the body, which is the temple of the Spirit, therefore it dishonors God. And the reason why there are consequences to unrepentant sin is because, because sin separates us from God. There can be no fellowship with righteousness and unrighteousness. That is why that daily surrender to him through repentance is so very important. Now I know that we, we, we've come to, when we first all first come to the Lord that we've repented of our sins. But because we are flesh and because we make mistakes and because we're still fallible and we're still weak and still carnal, it is important that we discover true repentance by completely surrendering to God daily. Now, what are the elements of repentance? What are the elements of repentance? What leads us to repent? First, there's a knowledge that we have sinned. Okay, There's the knowledge that we have sinned. And that, that usually, for most of us, is all we need to know. All that needs to happen for us to find repentance is that we have a knowledge of the wrong that we've done. I mean, how many, how many in here, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but how many in here have sinned? How many in here knew you sinned and immediately said, oh God, I am sorry? And sometimes that's all it takes. But there are times in our life where if we're not careful, we may grow accustomed to a certain behavior, certain actions in our life. And it takes more than just us being knowledgeable of sin in our life. And so there's elements of repentance. There are elements that lead or things that lead us to repentance, true repentance. First is the conviction of that sin. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, uh, Peter preached a message on the day of Pentecost. And after he was done preaching, he had an altar call. Uh, the Bible says, now when they, the congregation, the people heard this, they were pricked in their heart. In other words, they, they, there's something was going on. They, they were uncomfortable. We, we call it conviction. Um, it's just a modern term. They, we are, there's a pricking in our heart that said, hey, listen, there's, there's something wrong here. Um, and so when God deals with our heart 
It's called conviction. Now, don't confuse condemnation with conviction. God convicts us to lead us to repentance. Condemnation is self-inflicted that leads us to walk away from God because we feel unworthy. And, we, and we're sinners anyway, so we might as well just forget it. Okay, So condemnation leads you away from God. Conviction is brought on by God himself, by the Spirit of God, to draw you to him. So don't forget those. That, that condemnation is filled with guilt. Filled with guilt. And sometimes we can't get over our own guilt. So conviction of sin. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. First John 3.20 For if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and knows all things. So don't let condemnation steal your conviction. And so conviction comes from God, causes you to run to Him. Condemnation is self-inflicted, which causes you to run away. All right? And so once we feel that conviction, then there is a, a contrition of sin, or there is a feeling of remorse or regret for, for that sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10 says, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so contrition is a state of being remorseful. And so once we're convicted of the sin, we feel contrition of sin, we feel remorseful for sin, leads us to the confession of that sin. Now I'm not talking about confessional, where you come and say, Pastor, I've sinned. I I Unless you've sinned against me, I don't need to know your sins. That's between you and God, and, and I'll let you deal with that. Okay. Um, Psalm 32, 5 says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So uh, conviction leads to contrition, which leads to confession where we admit our guilt because of the transgression of the sin. We take ownership of the actions. <laughs> it's not because of somebody else's actions. They may have coerced you or may have encouraged you, uh, may have partook of the sin with you. But let me tell you something. It's nobody's fault but yours. Okay? And that is what confession of sin is. I'm taking ownership for my behavior. And so this is admitting my personal responsibility. Let me tell you something. The devil didn't make me do it. He encouraged it, I'm sure. But he didn't make me do it. Right? That's between them and God. You're responsible. You, on your part. Yeah, I mean, you could, uh, you could admit to God, hey, they all sin too. But unfortunately, you know, They've got to find repentance on their own. You're responsible for your actions, even if the whole group did it. All right? uh, the action is always a result of a choice we made. The same. Our actions are a result of a choice that we make. We have to take ownership of that. And so from confession of sin, there is conversion from sin or deliverance from sin. Romans chapter 6. Verse number 6, 7, and verse number 12, I'm going to skip 8, 9, 10, and 11. But 6 and 7 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, 
that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse number 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign, or have control, or, or set up kingdomship in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereafter. Okay? Uh, so there is this deliverance from the sin. And that is what happens when we repent. We ask for forgiveness, and then, then we repent of our ways. We turn, we say, hey... I made a mistake. It's my fault. I did it before you, God, and I, I'm not doing it again. I'm going the other way. I'm gonna. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my mind. Change my heart. Change my actions. Whatever. Whatever the case is, I want to let him know that, and then the, he delivers us from this. And this is the recovery that we spoke of earlier: being free from the body of sin through everyday repentance. That that daily surrender is an everyday repentance. Now, does it mean I have sinned every day? Absolutely not. But I do want to make sure that I am crucifying this flesh, afresh and anew. Paul said, I die daily. Now, I just don't believe that Paul sinned every day. He could have. But I just don't believe that he did. But I do believe that he had a spiritual discipline in his life that says, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I am surrendering to him. And the way I do that is I crucify my flesh. The crucifixion of our flesh happens through repentance. And I daily surrender to his will and his way. Uh, in, in so that, that the old man, the sins and errors of the past are crucified with him. And that repentance allows us to, to live free of sin's penalty, which is destruction or, or ultimately spiritual death. Um, and so we just live that life that is repented of. We, we live for Christ and we exercise daily repentance. And that is true surrender to him. That, that is truly giving ourselves over to him on a daily basis. All right. Homework. Homework. Psalms 51 is, a, is David's prayer of repentance. It is the prayer of repentance that he had after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And so this is, fulfills the elements of the conviction, the, con, the contrition, the confession, and of course the conversion from sin. And you'll read that in, in that prayer of repentance uh, there are times where I just literally just pray this before God. I, I just want to be sure that I'm living uh, completely surrendered to Him on a, a, a daily basis.